forever. Dog. Hey, everyone. It's me, Ben Blacker. First of all, thanks for listening to this podcast. I appreciate it. We have a special episode for you today in which my writing partner, Ben Acker, and I talk about our new Audible original series, Cut and Run. It's the story about the friendship between two people who happen to be kidney thieves and the havoc that wreaks on their respective love lives. Um, It's a show that is near and dear to us. We've been wanting to make this show for over a decade. And finally, Audible gave us that opportunity. You can get it right now at audible.com slash cut and run. You don't need an Audible account to get it. You can also, if you don't want to sign up for Audible, you can go and just buy it from Audible. I think it's $8.95. But if you do have an Audible account, it's one of the originals that's available this month for one of your tokens. We're very proud of the show. The cast is ridiculous. First of all, Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan is in it. From When Harry Met Sally and Sleepless in Seattle, and everything you've ever loved. Meg Ryan plays our narrator, and she is incredibly charming, and uh, you'll hear Ben Acker talk about that on the podcast. The other leads in this show include Darcy Carden from The Good Place, Sam Richardson from Veep. Unbelievable. We were so lucky with this cast uh, that all of them are not just incredibly talented and generous performers, but really lovely people to work with. So it was a lot of fun to get to do this. Rachel Bloom the starring creator of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Thomas Lennon, one of the minds behind Reno 911, who is also in every movie and TV show you've ever seen. Uh, He's also written almost every movie and TV show you've ever seen. Uh, Tom Lennon is unbelievably funny and nice, as our whole cast is, which also includes Eugene Cordero. Ed Begley Jr. A lot of people have asked me who Ed Begley Jr. is. And to you, I say... Get on IMDb. This guy has been working in the business for over 40 years, uh, from St. Elsewhere in the 80s to Arrested Development just a few years ago. Uh, He's in everything. He's in uh, some of those Christopher Guest movies. He's part of that crowd. Uh, So funny, so nice. Um, He plays the nicest crime lord in the Midwest in our series, Cut and Run, which is now available from Audible. Go to audible.com slash cut and run. Sincerely, I hope you will check it out and I hope you like it. Here's the theme song. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in tonight or whenever the time is right. It's the writer's panel with Ben Blacker and it's starting now. Oh yeah. It's me, Ben Blacker. It's me, Ben Acker. We have a new Audible original series that we have written and produced that is out now via Audible, called Cut and Run. Ben, do you want to give just the brief logline of Cut and Run? I'll tell you that Cut and Run is a comedy caper crime story about two best friends who happen to be kidney thieves and how that plays havoc with their romantic relationships. Um, So this series is out now. It stars Meg Ryan, Sam Richardson, (laughs) Darcy Carden, Rachel Bloom, Thomas Lennon. Like, it's an embarrassment of riches. Ed Bagley Jr. Ed Bagley Jr. The money Ed Bagley. (laughs) Um, and you can get it on Audible right now if you're an Audible member, whatever. You'll figure it out. We have a link in the in the the thing. So Ben and I wrote this uh, many years ago. We're going to talk a little bit about how this came to Audible because uh, we originally wrote it as a television show. Um, we also have with us um, Humphrey and Katie who wrote with us on this series. Thanks for being here. I'm going to have you introduce yourselves. Katie, why don't you start? This is Katie. <laughs> you did it. Yeah. Nailed it. All right. Katie Wood, um, you are a, I will say, a very funny person on Twitter. Thank you. Which is how we found you. (laughs) Uh, You are not a professional writer right now. No. Correct? But you should be. That's that's what I like to think. (laughs) People should hire you for their shows. We'll tell them about how, like, we all got together and and worked in a minute. And Humphrey, please introduce yourself. I'm Humphrey Carr. I'm uh, not funny on Twitter at all. I'm a bad follow. (laughs) And that has been, you know, borne out over the years. The numbers of people who follow me steadily have declined. (laughs) Uh, It's really, I hit a peak at one stage and it's just been down, down, down. People don't like me making uh, tweets about football. No. Soccer, Mm -hmm. I should say. We don't get it. Twitter yeah. is very local. Yes, I just I large. If you come to me, you're looking at some sweet retweets, uh, and uh, usually from that like we rate dogs account. Sure, 
Humphrey, you are presently being paid as a writer. I am. Um, yeah, I prefer to, to be that? called TV's Humphrey Carr <laughs> because I work in in, te- in the television the, medium. The Beeb. <laughs> uh, no, not much these days. I have worked for the Beeb back in the day. I'm I currently engaged professionally as a writer on uh, Mythic Quest, uh, which is a, an Apple TV Plus show coming to your screens uh, this Friday. Ooh. It's out. Yeah, it's out yeah. This February the seventh. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah. And it's, you've said off microphone, so I believe it's true that it's a great show. I like it. We're proud of it. We're <laughs> so far, it. all the people who've seen it have liked it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, thus far. Um, so yeah, we'll see. We got commissioned for a second season, yeah. uh, which is cool. That's what we're working on right now. And the first one comes out real soon. It's great. exciting. Yeah. All right. Well, we're not here to talk about that. More's the shame. <laughs> Ben, let's talk about Cut and Run. Um, okay. I will set you up and then you can tell most of the story and I'll just interject. Cut and Run, uh, we wrote as a half-hour dark comedy in 2007 based on a sketch that you wrote for second, when you were in the Second City program? Yes. I, um, there was a brief time where uh, Black and I did not write together. Um, we were apart. It was a dark time. It was a time dark time. <laughs> for everyone. For everyone. Uh, and so I, I joined into the Second City thing to supplement my writing knowledge, and it culminated in some sketch work. And one of my sketch shows was just basically people on their worst days. And one of the sketches was a guy who woke up in a bathtub full of ice with um, the doctor and the con artist who had put him there. Uh, they wanted to meet him uh, because when they went in for his kidneys, they found where his kidneys ought to be a pair of notes saying, I owe you one kidney and me too. And they found me too first, and it was confu- it was a whole thing. Anyway, it, it was a great sketch. It was, thank and you. That whole sketch show, I should say, like we talk about it every once in a while because it was just like a wealth of funny ideas and executions. And that these sketches were really strong. And then you wound up shooting one of you wound up shooting the kidney thief sketch mm-hmm. uh, with our friend Toby Wilkins. Toby Wilkins had won a bunch of. Uh, a f- raw film from some film festival <laughs> he was in right? and uh, wanted to make a short. I gave Toby a handful of those sketches and Toby wanted to do that one. Mm-hmm. And so we ended up shooting it with Paul and Paget, with Paul, Paul Tompkins, Paget Brewster and Ethan Embry as the guy in the tub. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it was a great thing. Is it around? Is that it's on, you can out? find it on YouTube? Kidney thieves. Yeah. Um, People should check it out. Cause it came out great. Like Toby's a terrific director. Oh, uh, he it did the great. horror movie splinter. <laughs> and then it was a call from Paget, right? That sort of got the ball rolling. Paget just offhandedly commented that she, sh- that we, sh- what we should do next is right. That, <laughs> that relationship between the doctor and the con artist to like that relationship was fun. Yeah. Uh, would that be a good show? And so, we wrote that pilot real yeah. quick. It was like that. It that was, was at the core of it. Was really fast. I was uh, in San Francisco, minding my aunt, <laughs> and had little to do other than that's right. Turn that out, and then uh, and you had. I remember even like this was again two thousand seven, yeah. and you had such a strong idea about these characters and what their relationship was. That like what you handed over to me was a done draft. Like you knew this world, you knew these people. And then what like we people had, had just do. started using the term work spouse, like a yeah. couple months after, <laughs> but it was like, Oh, that's that. Um, and we gave it to our reps at the time. Um, well, I should say, I still have the recording of Paget having oh, that's right. dropped the script at her house, <laughs> but she was super excited about it. Uh, and that was super exciting. So yeah. we gave it to, as you say, our reps. Right. And so then it became just to get us our reps. It was part of it. Yeah, I think we, our managers at the time repped Paul. And so it was like, we were all sort of talking to each other. And mm-hmm. they said, if we want to move forward with this, we'll represent you. Mm-hmm. Um, th- we'll sort of cut to like shopping it around. Because I remember the next sort of big thing we had to do on it was like, we knew the, these characters. Mm-hmm. We knew this world. But the we, first yeah. the first pitch meeting we had really. Um, Lionsgate. Yeah, I didn't want to name you names, name but Lionsgate. nobody's still there. <laughs> but th- uh, what it wound it, up being a great well. Thing so for us. it was two of the three of them were super into it, and the third guy was like, "We can't sell serialized overseas, right. so uh, no, thank you." Uh, but during that meeting, it was uh, one of them said, "Well, how does it end? Like, how does the series end?" Right, and we were like, "Well, it's a comedy, so it ends happy," <laughs> and we thought that was a great answer, <laughs> and we walked out of there and. Or people said, you know, you should have a more specific answer. Mm-hmm. For 
for that if it comes up again. And th- you don't tell us that we'll right. break stories. Like we, we spent love ten, breaking stories. Ten years breaking stories. Nobody asked us to do. <laughs> uh, so, uh, like, we spent the weekend with a bottomless cup of coffee and came out with like five seasons. Yeah. Um, yeah. Here's how the characters change. Here's how the relationship. Just to jump ahead a little bit, so we wound up selling the show um, to Paramount. To Paramount, right? For to shop for cable. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a couple months before it was a couple of months before we got our contracts. Yeah. The contracts like took the, a few months. Contracts took a few months, which like in retrospect, that's quick. I know. God. Uh, and <laughs> so two days after we signed the contracts, there was the writer strike of 07. Uh, but the script was written, so they sent it out anyway. Uh, so we would get, we got a call a couple of weeks into the strike guys, bad news. Uh, showtime passed. And we're like, Oh, on what? <laughs> Oh, they saw the script. Right. So the script is kind of going around and we, but we weren't able to go and pitch it and like tell people what this show could be, which is Mm -hmm. frustrating. Um, Then that was kind of it. Like it was played out after that and it served us well as a sample for the next decade. Right. Uh, It kind of became a calling card for the kinds of writing we like to do, which would you like to talk about? We like to do uh, genre and character Characters who can hold two thoughts, two contradictory thoughts in their heads at the same time. It was, did I tell you this years later? Uh, like that was the, the thing we did was write a character who would say like, uh, your hat is dumb to mean I love you. Right. Right. And then years later I get into a relationship and I realize like, I'm so practiced at that <laughs> and how much easier it is to say not your hat is dumb. Yeah. Just say the thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> Turns out yeah, it's better for you. Humphrey has a question. <laughs> is, is that how? You have a successful relationship. I mean, I can't. I can't speak to that on mic. This could be. Imagine, if, mic. imagine if you sorted that all out on this podcast. Well, this I just tried, I just try to help people who are great at subtext in their scripts. <laughs> um, it was it was interesting having a relationship comedy about kidney thieves be the sample script that went out for us because we would. Like, if people got it, they got it. And yes. in general, people really got it. What was crazy was people who loved it the most were in children's television. Oh, my God. For some reason, it got into <laughs> the file at Disney. Yeah. Um, the, Disney live action, the live action yeah. at Disney Channel. Um, so whenever there was executive turnover, they'd read a bunch of scripts that were trying to be Disney Channel sitcoms. And then ours somehow. <laughs> and so we kept having to go in there and be, like, courted by people explaining why, like, Every meeting, there was a moment where they were like, and you know, like, it's not in your script, but fart jokes, like, there's a reason why. And we're like, uh, yeah. Because yeah. they did a Josh you, and Drake episode, didn't they, where they stole someone's yes. kidney? Notoriously. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it got them picked up. Yeah. For another season. That's the pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, but it gave us a lot of opportunities over the years where we'd also have this thing happen where, like, people would read it. And we had a half hour and an hour version. because mm-hmm. um, <laughs> A three-page difference. Because who knows what TV is anymore. <laughs> right. Um, but like people would read it and be like, well, we can't make this, but what's the thing that's sort of next to it that we can make like mm-hmm. a crime show that has a sense of humor in it. Right. Like what's we, the marketable version. Yeah. Of this? Which like we've sold a lot of pilots over the years yeah. with kind of, with cut and run as a jumping off point. Right. Now in 2017, <laughs> yes. 2016 Ish. around then. Yeah. Um, but it was about 10 years later. Um, an executive from Fox, Jeffrey Glazer, had gone to work at Wondery, which was a is and is a podcast studio uh, or network, and they were just starting up. And Jeffrey remembered Cut and Run from when he was sent it all the time for staffing, <laughs> uh, and said, "I think this would make a great audio series." And he was so awesome and enthusiastic about it, and, like had a real idea of how we could make this work for six half-hour episodes, um, and they got. With Jeffrey there, they really got behind it and allowed us to hire a little staff to write these episodes. That's where you two came in. Humphrey, we knew you a bit. Uh, We've been introduced a bunch of times, and we had, at this point, worked with you. We had. We'd we'd worked together on a very short-lived FX (laughs) animated series, The Lamented and Lost Cassius and Clay. Yeah. Which was um, going to be such a good show. It really was. That was a real crusher. It was. um, Because we all got hired to the writer's room and we were 
in the middle of breaking episode three when suddenly the suits came in and unplugged <laughs> our computers and <laughs> threw all our pencils in the trash. It was also the like the loveliest room. Um, and we can say your your wife, Megan, was running that room. She was. And she put together this dream team. Like yeah. we all loved each other. And it, it was wasn't even like, brilliant. and you got in like all on your own merits. All on my own merits. Well, you are a writer yourself, and I am. You, you yeah, I, I were really was. Re- FX pitched uh, him to they her. They did. Is that yeah. true? Yeah, you know this. I story. didn't know that. Charming <laughs> little story. They, they, uh, when she was in the room together, they suggested to her, "Oh, you should check out this guy Humphrey Carr." And she was like, "Yeah, good, nice." And they were like, "Oh, why? You, oh, God, have you like dated him or something?" She's like, "I'm married to him." <laughs> And they're like, oh, okay, so do you not want to work with him? She's like, no, he'll do. He's, fine. <laughs> He's in. That's crazy. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. How funny. Uh, I'm actually working with her again now. So, uh, But you got her this time. Uh, this time around. Uh, yeah, no, we, turns out we like, we're very codependent. We like working together. We, when we get spun off into different rooms at lunchtime, we're like, you all right? Did you have a nice morning? What are you doing? Is it good? Is it all right? Yeah, it's pathetic. <laughs> it's terrible. It is pathetic and terrible. Um, but yeah, so we but we, could, we, we loved your then. stuff and like we loved working in the room with you. We and we also knew like we had heard over the years of writing Thrilling Adventure Hour that like our voice was not as easy to emulate as we maybe thought it was. It was really easy for us. <laughs> yeah, we knew how to do <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, um, but we knew that you certainly could do that. Well, that's very kind of you. Yeah, I, I think we. Uh, my background was was doing sort of weird esoteric Victorian themed sketch comedy in the UK. <laughs> That so. was beloved by a, a small tranche of society and widely disregarded elsewhere, and uh, that seems to our be people. that seems to be uh, yeah a common theme between us. So um, yeah, we we hit it off immediately when 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 we uh, got together for the first time. So yeah, it was very flattering that you guys thought of thought of, of me when it came to this. Always. Um, and then Katie, I had said you're very funny on Twitter, but that is in fact how we found you. Uh, yeah. I think it was during at midnight. You know, you you posted about that the other day, and I have no recollection of, like, ever having participated in... I remember the hashtag You did game. hashtag wars. Mm. I am sure I did, <laughs> and I don't remember it at all. I always thought that it, we had met, you know, virtually met mm. on Twitter through Jenny Klein. Oh, maybe. Because I knew her, and that's... Them, them may, it may have been Jenny. That's who, probably like, how I knew you guys. Possibly. I don't know. How, then you found me through... Um, but I do remember specifically, and it may have been because Jenny retweeted or pointed something out and like, I thought it was so funny. I started following you and you were so good at those jokes, uh, which to me are very hard. Like Ben, you're very good at those too. Um, I find them because they're not character. They're just jokes. And I, that scares me. When we got this opportunity to hire, I I got in touch with you and said like, do you write? Do you do this? And you sent us a great spec script. Yeah. Uh, what well, remember what was it, what it was it's called? called the Herald. Um, and where did this come from? Was this something you wrote on your own? Were you mm. in like a program or something that you wrote? Yeah, it? I went to USC. Okay. Um, it was something I'd actually written originally before I went there. It's gone through a number of oh. incarnations, um, and it's about a newspaper staff and um, kind of West Wing at yeah. a newspaper sort of thing. And it's it's a script that everybody always likes and then tells you why they can't possibly make it and journalism shows sure. don't work and that whole yeah. that whole song and dance. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> um, But when we read it, it was like, oh, you can do this. You're better than this. Like, <laughs> better than, certainly you better can Better than this. our material. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not you're better. <laughs> you're better than journalism You're better than shows. this script you've written. <laughs> um, no, like it was so polished and it was so, uh, the characters really popped, jumped off the page. Yeah. yeah. And the dialogue was exactly like that kind of West Wing, fast-paced stuff that we really love. The speed um, of coffee. <laughs> the speed of coffee, exactly. Um, but I'm trying to remember going into – so at some point we sat down with each or both of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to remember what we had. We had broken what we thought was roughly these six episodes, right? Ish. Oh, really? We we knew that the our version would be split into two. Mm-hmm. And we – we and we, I guess we had in the five seasons of it all. Yeah, we had high points that we could use as the tent poles mm-hmm. to episodes. Like knowing that there were six going. Right. Here's the, an event for the vague form the of the story. Yeah, yeah. Like here's where this directly goes, and then here's the resolution of the thing. Yeah, uh, and I think we also had the mandate that it should be done in six episodes, mm-hmm. which is why the audible version has a very 
Def- ending definite end. <laughs> a very endingy ending. Um, <laughs> do you remember those conversations or the material that we sent over to you at the time? Definitely remember receiving uh, <laughs> the 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 hour. I think mm-hmm. with with a sort of you know a scrawled inscription on it saying this will be split in two. Mm-hmm. Then I think... Like the prophecy. <laughs> yes. Uh, it shall be torn asunder. Just like Britain and the European Union. <laughs> From my, my patchy memory, I think you guys... Because I wrote, wrote in inverted commas, uh, episode three. And no, I think you actually wrote you it. Gave, I did, well, yes, but then it got... You know, you guys gave it a lovely polish, made it good, made it uh, listenable. Um, and... Uh, I I can't imagine I would have taken it on without you guys giving me relatively clear instructions of what you needed from yeah. it. Because I don't think I would have dared do that. Yeah, um, and I, I do remember us getting together at some point at your house mm-hmm. um, and sort of right. sitting around and saying, like, we know this is the event for episode three. We know this is the event. We know it's heading here. Um, yeah, that was us and Humphrey and Megan. And- right. Uh, and Ali Kornfeld, who sort of was so nice and like acted as a writer's assistant yes, to us. Yes, that's right. Uh, in an, and Indian food, I want to say. And Indian food. <laughs> that sounds like a jam. Um, um, and yeah, we, yeah, it was a it was a weird, like we'd never. It was a it was a weird experience for us. It was because it, it was late in the day, mm-hmm. and we had a, a, an Indian food feast, <laughs> and then we sat down. It was the logiest session <laughs> of figuring out those four other episodes and it was, there was enough in the air Mm -hmm. that it felt uh, elusive to me. Do you remember, Mm -hmm. do you remember that? I remember that we sort of took what came out of that and, you know, I think we, we kind of broke it down by character saying like, what can we, what paces can we put these characters through in these episodes? And then you and I took whatever notes came out of that Mm -hmm. and did a very rough kind of outline because the outline that we wound up giving to Humphrey and Katie was probably too vague. It was it didn't have enough meat on it, uh, so there was it was too much. It invested. wasn't scenes enough. It was yeah. Here's the stuff that should yeah. Happen. Sh- we should have made it much easier on them. <laughs> well, no, we also like it was a weird <laughs> situation where we had like a strange timeline where we didn't know when things were supposed to be done, and we weren't getting a lot of communication from Wondery, which was. To be continued. Yeah, which, which <laughs> should have been a sign. Um, but in this time, um, you know, I don't know if we were having conversations during it, but basically you both came back to us with scripts that were so good. That sounds like I they were <laughs> they were right. bonkers yeah. good. And like I remember specifically re- actually I pulled up. I remember the bit in your script, the West Wing oh, the yeah. specific West Wing reference, which was about a character, an off-screen character having a West Wing role-playing game with a supernatural <laughs> element in it. Oh yeah, this is this is based on the fact that I was playing a uh, a founding fathers role-playing game with some people with wow. a supernatural element in it at the time. Lifted directly, ripped she from made the it pages a little hipper. Real life, yeah. It's I right. brought it into the present day. Yes, uh, yes, with um, Thomas Middleditch was was organizing a game. Uh, of, founding of GURPS, which is the generic universal role-playing system. I'm sure your listeners don't need to be told. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we were all playing. I was actually playing uh, a, a British general. Everyone else was playing Founding Fathers. <laughs> and the, the the premise of the game was in our first episode, we only played once and it was amazing. It was supposed to be a long, an ongoing thing, but I think people, someone moved away. Uh, during the signing of the Declaration of Independence, I think... Um, Charles Carroll of Carrollton is that what he's one one of the founding okay. fathers? I think he's a signatory of <laughs> he's the ninth favorite. As he just as he went to sign the book, he convulsed, and then a werewolf burst out of him, and he started murdering other founding fathers. <laughs> and uh, wait, is that is that true? A small did that happen? That happened. Oh. Yeah, uh, don't listen to what the mainstream media tells you about. <laughs> um, we didn't lose the the Revolutionary War; we surrendered <laughs> before the werewolves killed us. <laughs> This is a crossover episode with hardcore history. <laughs> yes. Anyway, it's got off topic, uh, but that was but, that but, was the genesis that's of that, hilarious. Uh, that thing. That somehow makes it even more precious to me. <laughs> um, but like getting that stuff, which is a joke that, and it turns into a kind of a runner in the thing too. That like 
is so in Ben and my wheelhouse, but is not something I think we ever would have come up with because we don't play those role-playing games. Like, it's just not in our vocabulary. Um, We're we're like, oh, this is perfect. (laughs) More of this, please. Well, it's funny. We, I, I can't remember the exact thing now, but there was one moment where we, where Ben uh, uh, Acker, I should say, uh, and I were discussing, rather than just pointing at him, uh, um, and I were talking about, uh, we discovered that we had written almost exactly the same sketch at exactly the same time in about 2007. There was something that was in... Oh, my gosh. I listened to... Uh, to this is it. I listened to one of uh, your old uh, podcasts... Uh, of, of the old thrilling adventure shows, and I was like, "Whoa, we had almost word for word this exact same like premise in the old oh my, my old Penny Dreadfuls, as we were called, sketch team thing." And we written them at about the same time, which was eight years before we met. And then Katie, I was looking at this, which again, like, it's absolutely the kind of joke that we would make, but if we had the guts, if yeah, <laughs> but I don't know how we haven't made it. Where like, there's a line that. Uh, Abe, who's the doctor character, comes in and is like, "How he's like, how am I supposed to tell the woman I want to marry that I want to marry her?" And this is sort of his problem in the yeah. the initial episodes. And he says, "Do I just come in and say, hi, honey, I'm home? Exciting news! I got a promotion at the black market kidney theft factory. What's for dinner?" The response to which is, "Not sure that's the best approach. First, is it a market or is it a factory? Like that parsing of language." <laughs> Is so up our alley, but it's done in such an offhanded way that, like, it it makes it it elevates the joke, you know, um, and like it's seeing stuff like that, which is on page two of the script that you sent us. <laughs> like, oh, we don't, this is we got it. This is done. Um, so it was exciting to get those and sort of hear how each of you interpreted both our voice and the stories we want to tell. But I'm curious to hear from your perspective, and I know it was a while ago. Like, what was it like digging in on those? Was it difficult to find that target? Or how did you find that target? I didn't think it was difficult. I, <laughs> I Having the two scripts that you guys sent and then having such a... I, I remember it being a pretty clear outline, okay. actually. Um, at least yeah. a good... I think you, know, you guys are eminently starting. parodyable. <laughs> and that's all I, I was just like what's the cheapest way of doing the, the, the clever thing that they do yeah I think it was it's also sort of like thinking about what I think might make you guys laugh was sort of the way into that mm-hmm. but having you know heard a lot of thrilling adventure hour and that kind uh, of thing you know and it, it's funny yeah. like to hear you put it that way because that's the way we always talk about doing drafts for each other yeah. is like how do I make laugh the person who knows what's coming right right yeah. which I feel like is maybe good advice for this kind of job when you're working for someone else. Right. I mean, I think that's, it's interesting because there, it's always striking that balance, isn't it? Between making whoever's paying the checks laugh uh, and making yourself laugh, <laughs> mm-hmm. essentially. I mean, like yeah. the, 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 uh, the piece of advice I hear given most often is like, write the thing that you find funny. And then you've just got to hope that that is, you tap into some kind of universal type thing. Every time in my, in my career, I have attempted to, um, you know, produce something marketable. It goes wrong because it, it, it's 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 not true to you. So, like, I mean, I think I mean I'm going to speak for Katie now, who uh, yeah. uh, just, right just met today. Um, <laughs> immediate bond. Uh, I think it's just like it's easy when it's something that you enjoy. Like, if you're if you're mm-hmm. if given that we read your first two scripts, like, oh, this is funny. These characters are fun. This is charming. Uh, it's it's easier than being like, oh yeah, okay, this is right. People like this, don't they? So, hmm. what is it about it that people like? Uh, you know, <laughs> it's it, it's it's within my lane, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, we were yeah. all we're all drawing from the same yeah set of stuff we all like, you know, mm. yeah. influences and and contemporary things at the time. Right, it's like this all feels ussy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I do. That's it, and I think we all. Never uh, outside of like the inspirations and references, like we all find, we all have a similar sense of humor, right? Yeah. Um, both a sensibility and find funny these small human moments, which I think were there in those first two scripts, mm-hmm. and which you two then were able to run with and give us the versions of that we never could have come up with on our own. Like this is why you have a writer's room, <laughs> right? Was there 
to you a challenge to writing for audio? Um, I think it was actually really fun because it felt like a little more license to just go nuts with the dialogue mm-hmm. and just write scenes that just kept going as long as you could <laughs> find another joke to put in it, you know, and mm-hmm. not have to worry about, you know, I don't know, somebody telling you that it needed to be one, only one page. This scene must be one page yeah. long or whatever. So I think, um, you know, I always, the dialogue is always the funnest part for me. So it felt like, well, you got to have that because there's nothing to look at. So. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I cut my teeth writing sort of radio for mm-hmm. comedy in the UK where I made hundreds of millions of pounds <laughs> um, and was able to retire to Hollywood um, <laughs> for the paltry sums you get paid here. And um, the and, and case is exactly right. Like the, one of the biggest things is that when I first started writing TV stuff here, I would, you know, kind of turn in scripts to uh, various supervisors or... or um, right. Uh, or to my wife, uh, I'd be like, what do you think of this? She'd be like, it's, what? This is an eight-page-long scene. I'd be like, yeah, right. The standard Radio 4 scene length. And, and Two more pages? Or? Yes, exactly. Too short. Um, and so, yeah, now, you know, it's like, oh, God, I've got, my. this is running at two and a half pages. Like, am I going to get away with this? Like, hmm. oh, well, it's, there's a lot of action. Maybe it'll, it'll zip by a bit faster than, than you think on TV. And so, yeah, the joy of this is, Rereading the script today, I was struck by just these big, dense chunks of back and forth dialogue <laughs> yeah. where everyone's given five or six light sentences in which to really relish whatever uh, slightly tiresome wordplay I've, I've <laughs> forced into their into their mouths. Um, so yeah, it's a joy. It's 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 so fun. It's also. There's, there's, yeah, there's no consideration for you. You set that scene in an airport lounge several times in one episode. Who cares? It costs nothing. <laughs> right, um, exactly. It's the same. It costs the same amount as putting something just in someone's front room. Um, that's a real joy. I actually, this is a side anecdote, but the the first thing I wrote for TV in the UK with my friend David Reed, uh, we. It ended with a giant mechanical squid um, tearing the Houses of Parliament <laughs> to pieces. And uh, understandably, the BBC were like, you're out of your mind. But that's because we had come from radio where you could do that stuff (laughs) at will. Um, And that's a real pleasure of it. Yeah, I mean, that is like, look, the limitless budget, right, for location and for even as we were going through, like when it came time to produce it, we didn't have to worry too much about how many people were in it, right? How much Mm. cast was in it as long as their characters and voices were differentiated enough, mm-hmm. which is really freeing. Um, if you were to give, and I'll, I'll open this to all of you, to if you were to give advice for someone who is now getting into the narrative audio space, mm. what would that be? Ben, you and I invented the genre. Mm-hmm. Look, <laughs> we straight up invented <laughs> narrative fiction podcasting. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. My advice would be, as much as it is all dialogue, um, characters don't, this is back to the other, The uh, your head is dumb. Mm-hmm. Characters don't have to say exactly what they think. Yeah. Like finding the subtext of it, finding the anything else for the scene to be about yeah. um, is something I think I'd like to listen to more as I listen to this kind of thing. Yeah, I agree. And it's something I noticed a lot as we were recording that like, you can be discursive and the scene can be about something else, but there's a real trick to keeping it about the, that emotional core or whatever one character is trying to impart to the other. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that to me feels like the hardest part of that. And it's, I feel like it's something you learn by doing it in a lot of ways and you do it in TV too. You just don't have as much room to play. Mm -hmm. Um, But in audio, I think it's very easy for a listener to lose the thread of a conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you have to sort of keep bringing it back to what does, what is this one character trying to impart? Um, I think something that, that um, just to praise cut and run specifically from something that you guys did really well is, is how you interwove um, uh, our narrator hmm. uh, and the way in which you play with that. Because that, because the narrator is, I think it's possible to do the whole thing without having a narrator, but it's exceedingly difficult. I mean, that that does does bring you down to like, 
oh, it's all set on an oil rig. And uh, when you hear the engine sound, they're in the engine room. And when you hear the other sound, they're in the other room. Yeah. That's it. Um, and, you know, I think people should, shouldn't should be afraid of that and shouldn't be afraid of, like, something that I, I found over the years is that people are very happy to be given very baldly pipey business in, in the narrator's thing. Where it's like, it's like, five years have passed. Now we're in this place that you mm-hmm. remember, and it's X, Y, and Z, and just really lay it out. Stick one joke in there, and then they're like, <laughs> okay, fine. And now I listen to the scene. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the thing that certainly we always used to do and still do on the occasional BBC stuff that I do back home is it's just like so uh, we just we lent into the whole thing of just telling people what's happening and and then allowing them to leave no ambiguity. Yeah. Like, and it, it's obviously like it's enormously helpful to have an excuse to ground mm. the world and the story at these Distinct points. Right? right. And I don't, I think there was never even any conversation about us finding some device for the narrator. I think we knew pretty early on that it like a narrator is the best way to get us through the story. Right. And then the next part of that was like giving that narrator a personality. Yeah. Mm. And one we hadn't really seen in a narrator before. Yeah. Like having, having had a lot of in thrilling genre e narrators right. it was let's get away from that. Yeah. Let's make this distinct from that. And I think this is the only time I will mention someone who, we wrote it for one with one voice in mind and we wound up getting someone else who is incredible. Mm-hmm. So like I will, with, I think this is the one time we can mention the person who we didn't get to approach for it. Um, so we wrote it for Adam Buxton, right? We wrote mm-hmm. that initial narrator voice. As, and if you don't know Adam Buxton, look him up. Uh, check we are out. a big fan. We're big fans of the old Adam and Joe show and of Adam's current mm-hmm. podcast. Um, who's a British, you know, presenter personality. And so we his wrote voice with is him silly and sublime, and we yeah. tried to cop that. And then there's a lot of dudes in the in the piece. Yeah, like what <laughs> what other directions can we go? Um, and we landed on like, well, this at its core is a rom com, uh, and that led us right to yeah. Meg Ryan. Yeah, uh, and so doing the right the rewrite for Meg was like. Meg, Meg Ryan's gonna say, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, let's keep this let's keep this cheek. Yeah, but. You and know, I'll let me and I'll jump ahead please. just a little bit. Um, so you and our director Alex Barreto got to direct Meg, who was in Martha's Vineyard recording from mm-hmm. there. So you d- you directed remotely over Skype. I am kicking myself for missing that. Uh, I was out of town, but and Skype only works in Los Angeles. Um, <laughs> anything to report from directing Meg? A delight, like just <laughs> surprise. I mean, it was the very first moment she was. Uh, would you like a narrator voice or we were both like, no, no, we like, <laughs> give us the full Meg, Ryan. right? Like the line, the first line was, I'll be your narrator. I was like, let's make that. I'm ne- Meg Ryan. I'll be your narrator. Like own that thing and be as you, as <laughs> you can. And she was like, got it. Like, she was great. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know if I've told this story on the air, but the first line in the thing, or one of the first, I think the first line in the thing is like the, this is a thing called this. And I'm, and that it's by these guys. And she said our names better than like, our names are ridiculous. We know we've heard it. Um, <laughs> ben Acker and Ben Blagger. Uh, they rhyme in everything. Um, she said them the best anyone's ever said them. <laughs> she had a little laugh in her voice at Ben Acker. Like she so was coming and it was funny. And then she said Ben Blacker and she let it, like she let that laugh through. Like this is, she was charmed and I was charmed yeah. by her being charmed and my, actual dumb brain thoughts were we should record this oh that's what we're doing (laughs) we are she is saying it into a thing to be recorded so um but yeah like i i don't know if you to listen to much narrative fiction but like there is something to finding the device right and a Mm. lot of these have a baked in narrator device that is part of the world that's intrinsic to the world but i do like these ones where you don't, where the narrator gets to comment on the thing. It, in When we were writing it, I was watching uh, a lot of Ugly Betty, which I love the narrator voice in that show. Yeah. And yeah. so that I drew on that, too. Uh, what else? What else can you recommend to people who might be launching their audio fiction? To my mind, it kind of like, it necessitates a degree of 
broadness isn't the right word, but you're, mm. you're, it's, 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 there's a theatricality to it that is, is very different yeah. to like what's, what's de rigueur in, in cool comedy these days. All these cool young That's people. True. Um, you, there, know, you get leeway to be a little more stagey. Yes, 100%. And uh, because it's, you have to communicate so much. You could, there is no subtle reaction. There's no, <laughs> there's, there are no reaction shots. It is, it, it, the jokes have to fly uh, into your ear um, straight out of, the, uh, of the, your listening device. So, so, I mean, I think it's, 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 it's the thing that lends itself well to, um, to people that enjoy big, rich, larger than life characters yeah. mm-hmm. um and uh th- i think that is to be embraced i mean I'm, I'm sure people do make small intricate sophisticated little things uh as well but i think it's i think it's difficult i think there's i think there's no it's it's an area where there is no shame in going yeah. hey this is fun We're especially fun. in comedy yeah yeah totally i if most of the audio sort of narrative things I listen to are old like Sherlock Holmes tapes and things like that where <laughs> they are a bit drier uh, and you can really hear the man bang the coconuts together for the horses <laughs> and they like ride up to um, Do you, do any of you remember who wrote the, um, so Kojak and Morrison are two uh, CIA agents in this and they're played by uh, Carlos Alizraki and Baron Vaughn. And to me, the, scene they have with Jeff, who is the CIA agent <laughs> love interest, introducing themselves to Jeff and explaining that they are no relation. Do either of you remember writing that? Was that you, Humphrey? I think it was me. I think it was me. I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah. yeah. I Well, I love, like, police procedurals and, and uh, any and all sort of institutional government-type figures yes. I find very entertaining. So You love writing a straight suit. I love a suit, yeah, of any a G-man of any description is very entertaining to me. So yes, I think those those were were my contributions to the the cut and run mythos. I think it's it's in the third episode or fourth episode, but it's yeah, them explaining that they are no relation to either Kojak, the fictional character, yeah. or each other. Yes. <laughs> they don't have the same name. There's no but reason. they are related to each other, I think is how that <laughs> Is that how it lines yeah. up? But, but uh, also the question is there of how did you meet? <laughs> That's right. Be- out of being related to each other. <laughs> right. Uh, it is, to me, that is one of the funniest scenes. And Carlos and Baron just had this amazing chemistry that I loved seeing in the booth. And then it absolutely plays in the yeah. Audible uh, And Audible was so excited about it. It was the first yeah. thing they cut together. They That's right. Like, this, 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 this thing. <laughs> Here, listen. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. All right, just to just to tie this up, uh, so we did these six scripts for Wondery, and then we were like, it's time. Here's a list of cast we think would be great. We all threw in cast names. Um, mm-hmm. And it, like we came up with great lists because, again, these were fun characters, and we felt like some great comedy people, some great drama people who don't get to do comedy would have fun doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, we brought it to Wondery, and by this time, Jeffrey had left, uh, to go work at Sony, where I think he still is. And to this very day. Jeffrey, if you're listening, you should buy this as a TV series. Uh, Wondery was no longer making scripted audio. <laughs> and so true crime. Wow. They, you're right. They had sort of taken off with one of their true crime shows, so they were going to concentrate on that. Oh, yes. And they were super nice about it. And like, we love the script. We're just not doing this anymore. So they gave it all back to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, about a year after that, mm-hmm. um, our friend Janet Varney, who is one of the co-founders of the San Francisco Sketchfest, was talking with the folks at Audible, uh, where they do um, live stage readings of movies that did not get made. And so she reached out to a bunch of her writer fr- friends, including us, asking if we had any of those. And we said, no, we don't. But we do have an audio series that's not been made. Right. We could maybe one or two, two or three of these could be, yeah. could fill that movie A fun slot. live show. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so between Jenna and Audible, it was, well, why don't we just do this? Right. And we Audible. didn't, I think we didn't know at the time that they were starting to get into Audible original full, right. full cast things. So they got behind it really fast mm-hmm. and were like, the scripts are done. And then they're one overwhelming note their mandate was it can't be episodic we released the whole thing at once mm-hmm. um and then you pretty much did that pass yeah i did another like a cohering pass and yeah um make sure it all fit together i, I dusted off some of the 2007 of it all <laughs> so audible sort of fast-tracked this whole thing we were meant to go to the studio last summer and we 
mostly went to the studio last <laughs> summer, but I think casting is what wound up taking a long time, mostly because of people's schedules. Mm-hmm. You know, right. like Ed, like the cast we wound up with, uh, Meg sort of came through Audible. Mm-hmm. They had been working on or trying to work on something else with her and then thought maybe she would want to do this, which she did, which we were very lucky. Um, I had just done a writer's panel episode with Rachel Bloom and I knew Aline Brush McKenna who ran Crazy Ex-Girlfriend with Rachel and like we really hit it off and I'm like, do you want to do this? Like, do you have time? You're done with Crazy X. And she happened to have the window in June. So we're so like, good. we co- sort of started planning around that time when she mm-hmm. was available. And yeah, she was like, do you want to talk about Katie for a second, that character and why Rachel was the person for her? Because she really, again, it yeah. was like the first person on our list. It was just a, a that character is a mix of like, no chill, <laughs> yeah. like utter lack of chill and like um, forward momentum. Like <laughs> yeah. she wants to be in the place doing the thing. An almost breathless momentum. Uh-huh. Um, just loves the hell out of stuff, except for the one thing that is, you know, her career. Um, <laughs> she got stuck writing children's books when she wanted to write a whole different kind of book. So anything besides that that she can do and and – Rachel just plays that so like just that disparate element of Mm -hmm. disparate elements of the character that all add up to such a charming, charismatic, like excitable, excited, like contagiously exciting uh, character. It was just, it was great. Yeah. And she's talked about a lot before she's heard. And I Mm -hmm. think you want someone who is instantly love, like you see why Abe loves her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the second Rachel, you hear her voice in that character, mm-hmm. you love her. Yeah. Um, and she also talks about like when we talked with her about it, she said part of what she loves about the character is this woman finds out her boyfriend, very serious boyfriend has this big secret that he's been keeping, which is that he's a kidney thief. And she said in most shows you would get her going, Oh, well, He's a monster. I'm out of here. Mm. And she loved that Katie's response was, oh, I'm in. I'm this going, is great. I'm, I'm coming with you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which which was, was always I mean, little too in. That was how, I mean, that was how we envisioned the character. Yeah. You know, that was always the thing. Yeah. That was the, get her to the place. Yeah. By just who she is. Yes. That if she finds out. It's really interesting because I remember talking to you guys at the time and you were like, God, we can't get our first, our second, our third, our fourth, our fifth, our sixth, seventh choices. We've got all these duds. And they turned out great. And I disagree with you. I think if they hear this podcast, I think they were all brilliant. Well, you were pushing for all of them. Because I I specifically, at the start, I named those six or seven people, Mm -hmm. including Meg Ryan, who uh, I didn't even know was working with Audible, but I just, I had an inkling. And and I was proven right and you guys were proven wrong. Right. Cut That's, this out. Cut no, th- keep this in. Um, <laughs> double it up. Double it. Double, keep it up. Double it yeah. up. Let's top and tail the whole um, Let me, so we we did not achieve our and Audible dreams of getting the whole cast into the studio at the same time, which was a bummer. But everybody, like, they're all such professionals. They're all such amazing performers. They had chemistry with it. They were in the room together it's or not. It's true, which is nuts. Like, we yeah. did get Sam Richardson and Rachel in the room a few times together, and they were so good together. Yeah. Um, and Sam, too, is like someone we've been a long time fan oh, of. God. Uh, we He's always one want... of the few people that just makes me laugh. Yeah. No matter what. Like, not in the front of the brain where I can figure out what's going on. <laughs> just right to the back where it's like, that's the funniest. That's the funniest. There's, yeah, yeah, there's some pure comedy to him. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like, Abe is, again, a potentially difficult character because he's... He spends a lot of the show fretting. <laughs> like, right. he's, he's done this for a while, but he's also out of his element. <laughs> Working with yeah. Sam, who we had never worked with before, uh, the the thing that I will remember is he would do a take, and uh, Blacker and Alex, our director, and I would sit there um, speaking to each other about what we wanted from the next take so that we could then push the button so that he could hear us and say right. to the booth, do it taller, for example. Like, right. that's not the note, but whatever it was. Some specific direction. Right. And whenever we would put our heads together to say, yeah, we should tell him taller, he'd be in the booth raising his hand, and we'd go, oh, yes? And he'd go, I want to do it again taller. Like, he <laughs> yeah. anticipated every, like, once he heard it out loud, he we were so on the same page. Yeah. It was his instincts it was are remarkable. So it was, it's not even that they are good, it's that they are art. 
That's true. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, well, I, and I would that's imagine nine. that's like a guy who can do that for any script he's given is yeah. he just understands the read and understands the character. Um, and then I just want to say one thing, first of all, about um, we have mentioned Alexandra Barreto, who we brought in to direct this thing, who just killed it. And like Man. Uh, Alex has a short film, which is kind of all we knew of her directing, but we know she's a producer We've seen and another a writer. Short film of hers too. Right. Yeah. Um, She's a writer and a producer and a, a actor as well. Um, but we know, and we've known Alex for a long time, but we know she gets comedy, um, but doesn't always get to do comedy. Mm-hmm. And so she's it felt like, so it, funny. and she's so funny she's and she's so, so good funny. at it that it felt like a great opportunity to let her like do her thing in there, which she absolutely did. Um, and then, and also like in those other qualities, she was on top of shit, yeah, like in absolutely. a way that was a, a marvel. Like yeah. She just, we didn't have a line producer right. for this and we really needed one. And Alex picked that up and she, like, she has the skills to do that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Which, yeah, we could not have pulled this off without we her. We are too dumb. Yeah. We're much too dumb. Um, and then Darcy Carton. I just want to, you know, just beast. Yeah. The um, dog. She was great. <laughs> we, yeah. I, I, again, I said this on Twitter, but I'll reiterate here that, for over a decade, we were very spoiled with Thrilling Adventure Hour, where, you know, we could give these actors kind of anything and they would make it amazing um, because, one, they understood it and they understood what we wanted. But two, they brought so much to it of their own sensibility. Um, and if we had met Darcy 15 years ago, she mm-hmm. would have been in the like she would have been a regular person yeah. in the Thrilling Adventure Hour. Like she has that same quality where. Our friend, our mutual friend, Mark Evan Jackson, who introduced us, um, has a way of talking about people who do he does comedy with. He says they hear the music. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not just true of everyone we worked with on the show, but it's especially true of Darcy. Uh, she understands the music of comedy. Mm. Yeah. She's wildly charming, um, both on the show and IRL, <laughs> um, which is is such a you know she has kind of star quality it's sort of Damn. slightly ranked phrase but it but it is true there is that thing where i've never met tom cruise but i'm reliably informed him and darcy very similar vibe same cloth you just but you're <laughs> but just you like, were, oh these are superior people yeah. you're compelled by whatever that person's doing but yes. she was like she walked in like from moment one so positive yeah. and like just excited to be there we can, um, I think we can talk about what she said because it's actually very funny. Like we asked her to do the show and she had, her schedule was open and she could do it on pretty short notice too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she came in the day of recording and was like, oh, this is good. Guys, <laughs> I get stuff and some of it's not good and some of it's fine. Yeah. Some of it's good. And I committed to this having read enough of it to trust it. <laughs> yeah. And so like I knew it would be, it wouldn't be bad. Yeah. But. I read it all <laughs> and it's good. Yeah. She was so one surprise, which was delightful. <laughs> uh, and two, that, like that she would jump in trusting us was really flattering. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that she then like, and she would, even if she didn't think it was good, but she brought so much to it. Like she, she is an actor who gives it her all, yeah. mm. you know, like endless takes. And she also got her stuff done in one day, Man. which was Whoa. incredible. Yeah. Wow. She is the business. star of this show and she <laughs> knocked it out in one day. So yeah, we got really lucky with this cast. We're very proud of how this whole cut and run experience uh, went and how the final product has turned out. Uh, folks can find it at audible.com slash cut and run. If you don't have an Audible account, just do do the, the uh, free trial. Right. Right? You don't. To you don't need one. Actually, it. it's on your Amazon. I discovered. You can just purchase it. Oh, is that right? Oh, that's right. An Audible subscription. It's like eight ninety five yep. to purchase. Yeah. Whoa, do that. Um, I hope people like it because it is the show that like we have wanted to make for the longest time. Yeah, it it cost Hollywood a whole strike. <laughs> uh, I'm not saying that, that was our fault, but we didn't help it. No, not happen. No. Um. Now we're excited to see what the next iteration of Cut and Run is. You know, we hope people like the audio version. We loved working with all of these actors. We would love to do it again. A video game? The liver. Katie Wood. You've gone wrong. Yes. Where can people find you on Twitter? Should they wish to find you? It's at the first Katie. A worthwhile follow. That, I number said. one? That's me. 
Yeah. That's all spelled out. With words it's all spelled out. All spelled like out the letters. first lady, but <laughs> first Katie. Uh, it's a pun. Ben doesn't like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Katie, what, what are you watching on television these days? Also, what podcasts are you listening to that you oh want to recommend? goodness. Um, what am I watching on television? Uh, I'm watching The Outsider. It's good, it's right? Good. Is that what that's called? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's good. It is I like good. it. It's cool. Um, and podcasts I listen to, you know, political podcasts. Nobody wants that. And murder podcasts. So you know all of political them already. <laughs> How are, kind of the same vibe. Kind of the same. Is this the space you're in right you're now? Right. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Okay? Yeah, I'm a little I listen worried. to the murder to, you know, just stress from the politics. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, Humphrey. Yes. Tell yes. people where not to follow you on Twitter. Look, I'm called <laughs> at Humphrey Carr or at the hum- at the Humphrey Carr, I think, on Twitter. But guys, it's bad. It's real bad. It's 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 Liverpool Football Club. It's cricket, and it's occasion. Very occasionally, I do a history joke. Um, th- those do well because people are like, oh, this is original content. Everything else. <laughs> Your last is name is not bomb. spelled like it sounds. K E R. Yes, H U M P H R E Y K E R. All right, look them up. Um, what are you What are you watching on television these days? What podcast are you listening okay. to? Anything what I'm watching on television these days is uh, the new Dracula that has mm-hmm. been done by um, Stephen Moffat and, and Mark Gatiss. I've been en- enjoying that. I've only watched the first episodes, but there it's three. They're an hour and a half long. What a bang for your buck! Um, uh, <laughs> You're uh, all about. But I've then. mostly been watching Love Island. God's honest <laughs> truth. It's absolutely incredible. Um, treat yourself. Uh, uh, it is Shakespearean in its scope and glorious and wonderful and extremely entertaining. Um, uh, and then what, what was the thing? Oh, podcast. Uh, again, lot a lot of lot of politics podcasts. I have been listening to um, Freedom by mm-hmm. friends of the show uh, mentioned many times. Paul F. Tompkins and the rest of the the, the Coolsters. The other two, um, Lauren Lapkus and Scott Ackerman. I feel like I should name them. Uh, uh, and other than that, what else? Not much. Those Not are good much. answers. I listen. You know. I listen to a lot of cool music in the car. Sure. Mm. Wow. Anything you want to recommend? Uh, have you ever heard of the playlist Broadway Classics on <laughs> Apple Apple Music? Because uh, it is full of Another classic Apple Broadway plug. numbers. I heard it's real hot. Yep. <laughs> My Twitter handle is Darling, at B-N-A-C-K-E-R. Thank you for being here. I'm watching Perpetual Grace Limited Letter Kenny. Again? No, still. Oh, it's so good. That's my recommendation. P- Perpetual Grace Limited, for folks who don't know, it is on Epics. Get your five-day free trial of Ec- Epics and, and just watch the show. It. Oh, my God. It's so good. It's By great. the guy who did Patriot, which I also yeah. watch on oh, yeah, Amazon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Prime. Um, Letter Kenny. You're up on Letter Kenny, though. Yeah. yeah. Uh, eight seasons. <laughs> None of them long. <laughs> it goes down easy. It's, it's, you have it's to the watch rhythm and melody of comedy. It's, it's so good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just want to be friends with those people. Yeah. Letter Kenny, call us. Call us, Letter Kenny. But I'm listening to Off Menu. Is the latest podcast? Oh right! Tell people with, about uh, that. Acaster and Ed Gamble. Some of my boys. Yeah, and uh, they bring in a guest and they they uh, feed them a, a bunch of course meal. They find through their um, starter uh, main side flat sparkling drink <laughs> dessert uh, stories from their lives of, mm-hmm. of great meals they've had, great it's places fun. they've been. Mm-hmm. It's a great uh, it's a great fun thing yeah. if you like James Acaster and Ed Thank Gamble, you. which I do. Thank you all for being here. What are you listening to? Nobody yeah. ever asked that. What's your Twitter? <laughs> That's why we're friends. What's your Twitter? What are you listening to? What are you watching? Every night, my wife and I watch uh, one or two episodes of Cheers before going to sleep. Uh, and it is sincerely. <laughs> I think I'll be the first one to say this. The best sitcom, sitcom that's ever been on. Is this the first time you've watched it? Or no, no. Is this? Okay. I mean, I okay, I watched it as a kid. <laughs> yeah. I watched it in syndication. It's the first time really this, like sitting and watching yeah, all of them. But you. that first season is fascinating because these characters are so sharply drawn from the jump. Like yeah. they knew who these characters were. They were perfectly cast um, with mostly unknowns at the time. Um, and then the introduction of new characters, like when Frazier comes in as Diane's boyfriend, (laughs) you're like, this guy leaps off the screen. Like he's a star and you see him start to get folded in. And then we're on the, um, Kirstie Alley seasons now. And I think I never realized watching it as a younger person that like, and not knowing as much about TV, just how risky that was after five years to introduce this new character But they were so smart about it and they made her totally different to Diane 
But they also did this really smart thing of having none of the characters like her when she got there. <laughs> right. And it's over the course of these 24 episodes that, you know, is her first season, season six, that she starts to integrate with the group. But it's not really until the end of that season when the audience so has yes. would, would be used to her as well. Yeah. yeah, like it's really fun to watch. Kirstie Alley right? is really an unbelievable like comedy powerhouse <laughs> in this show, yeah. honestly. Um Anyway, I re- like for especially for people who are writing comedy, you could do a lot worse than going back and watching the pilot. She's famously yeah. like an, a perfect pilot. Right? It's a perfect pilot, but also the show, the first five seasons have this strong machine, right, of Sam and Diane. But the second five seasons are a stronger show. Like, the comedy is sharper, the characters are better drawn. These situations, they, you can put them in different situations because the character, we know and love those characters. Already. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's it's a masterclass, sincerely. So, little, little scene show. Cheers. Check it out. <laughs> also, check out Cheer on Top Netflix, tip. which is a <laughs> yeah. documentary series. Thanks for listening. Thanks for checking out Cut and Run on Audible. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. Ew, ew, ew.